In addition to the word we heard Sharon read from Isaiah, we also have this word from John's Gospel. We are in chapter 11, and we are going to begin at verse 32, which is about midway through a story that is familiar to many of us. Listen for the word of God. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to him, Unbind him and let him go. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. My father-in-law died nine years ago. He had a massive stroke um, at age 63 and then lived with the after effects of that for 13 challenging, difficult years. But he had this funny habit before he had his stroke. He had Pennsylvania Dutch blood in his veins. And um, so he would uh, take money, fives, tens, twenties, and he would put it in those little bank envelopes when you get a cash withdrawal, and he'd hide it at different places in the house. Teapots, under cushions, mattresses, all kinds of places, and he would forget where he had hidden this money. And so um, he would tell grandkids, by the time the grandkids came around, he would say, you know, there's money hidden all over this house, and I don't remember where it is, so anybody that finds money, you can keep it. <laughs> so, of course, the grandkids you then began tearing the house up, you know, trying to find money. And so after his death, um, oh, a year or so after that, um, my mother-in-law and my husband were 
going through the house and um, deciding, you know, what should be donated and uh, what they would put in a garage sale, uh, getting ready to put the house on the market. And they were up in the attic, and they found an envelope of money in between an attic rafter and the insulation. <laughs> I'm not making this up. <laughs> To use one of my father-in-law's own words, he had some idiot syncrasies. <laughs> that was a word that he coined, as far as I knew. And my husband recounted that story to me about finding that envelope of money. And of course, it made us chuckle, but there was also a poignancy to it, which led to a little bit of anger because he was just 63 when he had that stroke. He had retired early the year before. He was active in community theater. He was so full of vitality. He was a fun person to be around. And it conjured up these feelings of how awful it was that his life was cut short in that way. And so this takes us into this text because when Jesus arrives at Bethany and he meets with Mary and Martha, two dear, dear friends, and their brother Lazarus had been a close friend of Jesus as well. They were a trusted family for Jesus to be around. And of course the questions are, why didn't you come when we summoned you? Because when Lazarus fell ill they began to ask for Jesus to come. And Jesus was several days away, and by the time he got there, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. And so the text, the translation that we just heard, the NRSV, um, describes Jesus as being deeply moved, uh, troubled in spirit. And it's really interesting to go back to the Greek and take a look at this, and I am grateful to the commentators this week for pointing this out, because the Greek words in this text have to do with anger, with Jesus feeling anger at the mouth of Lazarus' tomb. And I think that in many ways this joins Jesus and who he is with our own experience of being human and being finite and all of us living under the shadow of death. And death, in our culture especially, is something that we don't want to talk about, but our fear of it can often color our day-to-day -day living. And so I think that it is good and healthy for us to take a look at Jesus standing there before the tomb with his own anger and with his own tears because he is facing the very finiteness of the human condition, standing there at Lazarus' tomb. Now, as we consider what it means to remember the saints on this All Saints Sunday. And we are going to be naming 20 people 
that we have said goodbye to this year, and we also remember others that maybe we lost 15 years ago. But every time we say goodbye to someone we love through death, it leaves a hole in our hearts. And sometimes that hole is pretty ragged, especially if the death is untimely and it makes no sense. But even if a person has lived a long, gracious life and, and they feel that their time has come and they let go willingly, there still is a hole because of the absence. And we are faced with our own finiteness in the face of loss. And the thing is, as Jesus stands before Lazarus' tomb with his own anger, with his own tears, because of who we believe Jesus is, standing before Lazarus' tomb, God is making a statement about what it means to be human and what it means to be a human who trusts in God and Christ. For God in Christ is taking on the entire human condition. The entire human condition with all of its suffering, with all of its limitations, with all of its finiteness. And because... God doesn't know limits of space or time or experience. God in Christ is transforming our own experience of being finite and of being afraid of death. Back earlier in the story, around verse 25, When Jesus begins to walk up near Mary and Martha's house, Martha greets him and she is questioning him about why he hasn't been there. And he says, Martha, Martha, I am the resurrection. I am life. Do you believe this? And she answers, yes. I believe this, still lost in her own grief, in her own sense of her brother's absence, and perhaps her own finitude. And then as Jesus stands before that tomb, God does something with that death that only God can do. And when Jesus calls Lazarus forth from the tomb, what God in Christ does is makes death something not to be feared. Because God knows no limits of time, space, or experience, death is robbed of its power. And the word from Jesus is, even though they die, yet shall they live. Our God, who is trustworthy, who has promised to never, ever leave us alone. This God 
that cannot be separated from us by anything, death or life. This God is the one who has stood at the tomb with us, who has felt the anger at loss, who has shed the tears. This God has said nothing, nothing, not even death, can separate you from me. My friends, that is the promise in which we live. That is the promise which takes away the fear of death. For we rest in God and we rest in that promise. Thanks be to God. Amen.